Welcome back to another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. You can get us on the Athletic app ad-free, as well as at uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Make sure you head over to theathletic.com if you don't have a subscription yet. we got lots of uh, Lions content and lots of draft content to come here in the next <laughs> six months that might be starting pretty soon. Uh, NFL hit the halfway point this past weekend. Lions have... Nine left on their schedule. Uh, before we get into that, though, Nick, you get—I uh, know you're covering Michigan, Michigan State too, and they both mm-hmm. played. But you get any any time away from it this weekend? Uh, I did. Uh, yeah, Sunday I didn't really watch any football. <laughs> that, was, that was the first. I, did, I tried not to really, <laughs> or I tried to stay away from most of it. Um, for the most part, we had like one and a half sick kids here in the house. There you for go. The part, for the most part, it was okay, and we. Uh, had a nice break there. So, yeah, excited to uh, sort of see where this goes, I guess, uh, on the other side. I know Dan Campbell reset a lot of stuff yesterday, so we'll get into some of that here today. Yeah, the uh, Sundays when they don't play, it was like 65 degrees and nice sunny. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, people were all like, myself. I talked to somebody or I talked to people yesterday, uh, um, and it was like, yeah, anytime the Lions don't play on those Sundays, man, in the fall, it's very <laughs> sunny, nice day, you know, no wind out there, everything. <laughs> everything else but uh yeah well they're back everyone so you didn't Matt watch uh, here. you didn't watch any of uh maddie stafford's i didn't meltdown i tried <laughs> not to watch any i like i was colleged out i was like footballed out by the yeah. end of saturday and um yeah i told myself sunday i was like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave it alone yeah <laughs> like i watched yeah. i watched so much football i'll probably try to go back though and watch some of that because I am interested to see sort of what happened there completely. I mean, I've read, obviously, and everything else. But, um, yeah, interesting result, to say the least. Um, yeah, good result if you're that front, good, rooting Good result them, for the Lions. And an for interesting, those draft pick spots. Uh, and an interesting one as well. Yeah. Yes, and those those conversations, Chris and I will be having more of in the coming weeks, you can be assured of, both on here and uh, on The Athletic. The, the yeah, well, as I stuff. tweeted, I mean, obviously Miami and Jacksonville, each right. one, that's two wins for them. So it's basically, I mean, I guess Detroit could rip off a couple at some point, but it's Detroit but and many? Houston for the yeah, number one pick like, right now. And Detroit's strength of schedule so right. that the draft, just for people who don't know, the draft pick tiebreaker is strength of schedule but it works it works it works sort of the inverse so whoever has the weaker schedule gets the higher pick in the first round and then they'd yeah if they were tied they'd flip so like if houston got one detroit got two then it would reverse in the second round so detroit would get 33 houston get 34 but it's november 9th i'm not gonna get too deep into it but anyway it's detroit and houston you are also on the doorstep here of a i believe Third senior bowl appearance by Alliance coaching staff in the last what five years? Oh, I didn't Is even think about be? that. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> there you go. Another layer to unpack as we go. I wasn't forward, planning on going to Mobile for <laughs> well, a week, but get your raincoat out because I think you might be headed to Mobile and to hang out with our friend Jim Nagy there in January. I, I can't imagine that they're it. not gonna be worse than two. Right. Yeah. Like, that's what and you would like. assume this coaching staff would take full advantage of yeah. oh, the God. senior yeah, bowl be, opportunity. <laughs> I think it would be really good for them. Yeah. I think yeah. In that case, probably have a couple of the quarterbacks down there. Oh Absolutely. man. Great. It would be well, worth it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's, that's another conversation. A, that's for a, a real day. kick in the well, junk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll have to talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Not that senior bowl week's miserable, but uh, right. Yeah. It wasn't well, be, the worst thing in the world to not yeah. go last year. Um, yeah. 
Anyway, so we do have all that to talk about over the coming months. Uh, Lions back at it in Pittsburgh this week. Um, I just put up an article sort of looking ahead, starting the early look ahead to next year. I asked Dan Campbell last week, you know, how do you balance competing every week versus just knowing that this is a multi-year project? You know, you can't. And we've seen some of that. Darren Fells just got released because Mm -hmm. they wanted to play Brock Wright. Jamie Collins got released because. Yeah. It didn't fit on a number of levels with this new regime, and and so I think that you know Campbell's answer was, well, we're you know we're trying to balance that. We also don't really have a choice at this point because we're playing. Yep. We have to play undrafted free agents and rookies and stuff all over the place anyway. So, um, but uh, I put up an article sort of looking ahead. We'll talk about that a little bit. I did want to get into some you know roster X's and O's stuff because there have been some developments this week. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Fells getting released. Uh, Brock Wright's been moved up to the active roster. Taylor Decker, they started the clock on him yeah. uh, last week. Now Campbell said he's going to practice Wednesday, and it sounded like they want to make a decision for this week by Wednesday, You know, his first day back. Yeah. If he looks good, they're going to let him play, and if he doesn't, they want to get Sewell at left tackle and Nelson at right tackle for the rest of the practices. Right. Um, Tim Boyle clock has started. Uh, what am I missing? Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown said that, right, uh, you know, the they're going to play yeah. more outside at the Z. So a bunch of stuff here. I guess we can start with Decker, though, because I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, that's the most important one. Um, yeah, present, right. future, identity of this team, <laughs> like that's a huge deal. So uh, it's been a long time now that they've been without him. Mm-hmm. I guess, A, how do you think they fared without Decker and then also without Ragnow? But B... You know, we've talked about the Decker-Sewell dynamic, you know, left tackle, right tackle, all that a bunch. Now that it's sort of here, it's pretty clear they're going to go Decker, left tackle, Sewell, right tackle. So, you know, has your opinion changed there at all? Well, no. um, No. My original opinion on this at the very beginning of the year, before any of this happened, when they drafted him, we'll say, was that Sewell is... A more natural, if you're just talking Decker Sewell, a more natural right tackle. And he's a special athlete, as Campbell noted yesterday or Monday when we talked to him. Um, he's a special athlete who can do some different things. He's a different type of player that we don't normally look at guys like this. That it's That's part of the appeal. So I thought, you know, if you're going to keep Decker here and go forward with that, that's what you do. You put him at, on the right side and you let him go there. Now, when... when the thing happened before the season and he had to flip to left. And we talked early in the year, it's like there were some stretches early in the year where he looked like he wasn't going to miss any, like he was going to be just dominant over there or something like this. And it was like, Hey, if we see that from him, no questions asked, maybe this is, you just leave him alone. And it's a conversation that you at least have, but I think it's been up and down enough. And all the other points hold that the original thing is still here that, Stool is a really good athlete, and Campbell said that you know he's a pro, which is the other part of this. He's a really good athlete. He's going to do what's best for the team. Decker is a better suited left tackle. I don't think he'd be a good right tackle. I just don't. Um, maybe he would, but I I don't think he would be. I think Sewell would be a better one. So I think I'm back to the original kind of where we were when they drafted him, or at least I was in my head that you know you see what you have here with this situation. Um, and then you make your decisions about whatever afterward. But all things considered, you know, I think the line's actually done okay, uh, even without Frank. I mean, like, I think they've held up in, in certain spots. It hasn't been great, right? Like, and Sewell's been up and down, but he's 
kind of rounded out a little bit here. And Jonah Jackson's been very good. And Vitae's been steadier. So, like, I still think that they're doing some good stuff up front. And I do think that getting a guy like Decker back, maybe that helps with some confidence. And maybe that sparks something. I don't know. Maybe that maybe it helps in some areas. But um, you'll take it, right? I think that that's the best you can hope for. Yeah, I mean, it's a little tough because you're coming off your worst it's it was been a horrible. Week and a half yeah, now, but right. you're coming off your yeah. worst offensive line performance, so it, it sort yeah. of skews skews the picture a bit because you know Vitae, I think, have been playing really solid, and Jonah Jackson's been really good, and then you have this game where they kind of get crushed on the interior, and you know Matt Nelson looks like he shouldn't be yeah, on a roster, and it sort of throws right. everything out of whack. But overall, I think you're right, and I mentioned that article I wrote looking ahead to to next season and sort of guys who will be back. And I, you know, Nelson's an exclusive rights free agent. So I usually you sign those guys because it's one year it's minimum contract. They can't say no, basically. Uh, and he's depth. Evan Brown to me has been interesting because I think it feels like they've kind of found something there. They could, you know, he's like 24, 25. He's bounced around a bunch, but they talk about how smart he is. He's played pretty well in Ragnall's absence. So if you're talking about pieces for next year, I think maybe he's one. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think the line has looked good and you've talked a bunch about Sewell's development is uh, the big key for him is we've seen him have some rough moments early and as the game goes on, he gets better and better. Yep. This week's going to be, no matter which side he's on, this week's going to be another huge test because he's facing, you know, these Steelers guys, especially Watt is one of those guys who is not a great matchup for him. No, Uh, no, You know, those speed guys, those guys who have a ton of different moves in their repertoire. Like if you get a physical guy up against him, he's been holding up pretty well. It's these, these are the guys who've been getting him trouble. So you worry a little bit about this matchup either way, but getting Decker back, I mean, I think that this sort of gives you more of an opportunity now to evaluate the discussion with him what yes. does this line look like even without Ragnow knowing Ragnow's not coming right. back this year what does this line look like with four of the five in place if this is what we want it to be next year and they have a decision to make uh, I they think have so. a decision to make on Vitae because he has a huge contract but they have a decision to make on Ragnow because he is maybe the most appealing trade chip on their roster Decker, is that fair Decker. to say they're Decker, Decker, Decker not Ragnow. God, oh God, <laughs> yeah, no, people not Ragnow. Into the ditch. <laughs> Sorry, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, yes, I understand. Not what you're breaking saying, any yeah. news there, um, right? Yeah, d- yes, Ragnow's here for ten years. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Decker is, I think, the most appealing trade chip on this roster because, yeah, right. He's proven he can play left tackle at. Uh, I think it's fair to say at least like it's above average. Uh, yeah, a good level. Yeah, level. Mm-hmm. The contract is big but not it's not insane through the roof right it's something you could work with if you tried to trade him he's still young enough that you could be picking him up for six seven years if you're trading for him it's not like a plug and play one year thing so this is going to be really interesting to sort of see where it goes but we also haven't had they will go through this whole year without having a single snap of yeah not one decker jackson ragnow vitae sewell Hmm. So, I mean, I guess sort of rephrasing what I've already yeah. asked, like, what does that do for the development here? Because we're never going to see what this was supposed to look like. No, we never are. And that's the hardest thing. And it's just like, what do you do? And I think the thing that I really wanted to see when the, when camp started with the offensive line was, you know, not uh, apart from Sewell and everything else, but with Decker specifically was, you know, because he showed up 
in camp, and I thought he looked in great shape. I thought he was moving really well. He looked like he was coming off the ball. And I was like, are we going to see a physical sort of like edge to him in the run game that I think we've seen in past years when he was healthy, you know, when his back wasn't stiff or anything else? I thought he was much better, obviously. He was much more steady in 2020 than we saw in 2019. But I did wonder when we saw him coming into camp this year, like, is are we going to see a different you know, piece to him in the run game, and is he going to be able to really unlock something here uh, up front for him? And that was my, that was sort of my wonder, and I still wonder that. Are we, you know, are we going to see now, you know, a stabilizing force here on the edges with, you know, if you get Sewell back over on the right side, get a better left tackle in there, stabilize that, not so many of these misses that we've seen over the last couple weeks if you get rid of those, but also if he's adding a piece to the run game, then it becomes a converse, then the conversation becomes less about are you trying to trade this guy and it's it's more about we just need to get everybody healthy figure out what we want to do with the other guard opposite Jackson and then you're ready to roll that's what i would say the conversation should be right now is decker going to give you something in the run game that sort of matches what you're getting from ragnow sewell and probably jonah jackson if he's doing that man then i say you lock it up and you just roll forward with it and because they're four really good players, and if they're going to come off the ball like that and maul people, this is what you build a team around. And, you know, I, I, I understand the trade piece. I do, and I think that's something that they have to, to absolutely look at. But, like, I think they have to look at keeping them, too, you know? Like, I think that's a conversation that is definitely probably on the table, but it's like I'm curious to see how Decker plays here, for sure. Well, and, the I mean, the thing is – if you get rid of him, you got to replace him, right? Exactly. So even if you're moving you know, you Sewell to, to the left yeah. side, and like uh, you said, Taylor's contract is not horrible. It's not like yeah, disaster. I mean it's big. Yeah. It's nineteen nineteen million dollar cap number next year, which is I think that's the biggest thing. Like right, the way this contract was structured after the extension this year, he's only counting four point nine million because of how yeah. they did it, and next year he counts eighteen point nine million. So just right. naturally, I think the conversation changes because it's such a big jump, right? Um. But you have Sewell on a rookie contract, and even at you know eighteen, nineteen million a year, um, you know you're sort of bumping up to the top like five left tackle contracts. But you're assuming that market will keep going, so it's going to be oh, like yeah. a top ten, mm-hmm. top ten tackle contract, left tackle contract. So it's again, it's big. It's a lot of money to deal with for a team that's going to have, again, some cap situations to look at this offseason, but it's not like he's getting $30 million next year, yeah. you know? I mean, it's something he's a top 10 left tackle. Work with. Right, right. You know, and, yeah. you know, to trade him, to trade him doesn't really do you a whole lot financially, and so, you know, you'd be taking, like, if you're doing it in the spring, you'd still be paying like $14 million next year. So you'd be paying $14 million to move him, right. not have him on your roster. You can't start Matt Nelson for an entire season no. at right tackle, so now you got to go find another tackle. And so, you know, I think you're right. Like, this was the whole idea. Like, when Campbell got hired, it was, we're going to stay competitive because we have this offensive line that can win games for us. And, right. again, we haven't seen it, so it's going to be, if they keep it together... Um, and I don't know that Vitae will say he's like a $10 right. or $11 million and, million dollar yeah, hit exactly. next year too. But And you can get out of that easier too. If yeah. you keep four of the five and plug in another veteran guard or whatever, um, maybe this is what you think it was going to be. It's just yeah. hard to say. That's really the most, for me, other than maybe that Goff has been you know, as shaky as he has been, I think the most disappointing thing for me is that 
you don't yeah, know been... with this offensive line because I think he yeah. probably would have won a couple games by now if you had Absolutely. the whole offensive line Absolutely. in place. I think that's the best way to say it because I think, and that's the, for me, it is the biggest disappointment because I was not, I, I, I don't think I've been surprised by Jared Goff to be quite honest. <laughs> right. Uh, sure. But like, I was excited to see what this line could do. I mean, I, <clears throat> I think people were just starting to realize how good Ragnow is. You know, I mean, I think, that, and we've seen it, right? I mean, everybody who watches the Lions as close as we do knows. But like, I think a lot more people were starting to see, you know, man, he's, the best center in the league, you know, I mean, like at least he's one A or one B if you want to start splitting hairs. So you've got a guy here who's like it truly elite, and then you've got this draft pick in Sewell, who's you know this kind of unicorn athlete. We were curious to see what Jonah Jackson would turn into this year, and he has done, I think, what we thought he could do. Yep. And then you add Decker on the other side, and you're like, that could have been with the way Vitae's played. That could have been we could be talking about right now at Week Nine, one of the best offensive lines in in the NFL right here on obviously a bad team, but like <laughs> sure. that's well. what it would have been. It would have been, you know, you, you would have looked at the grades and been like, I mean, they have five of the best linemen in the league. I mean, that's what it would have looked like if they were all healthy, I think, but that's not what happened. And we don't know that for sure either. And I think that that's what we have to see from Decker now as we go forward and everything else. But yes, it's still the biggest disappointment for me because I think it could have changed their season I think it could have changed. It's certainly, like you said, Chris, I think it would have been enough in some of those games to get you over the edge in some of those, you know what I mean? Like an inch or two or a yard or two when you're coming up short like that, that line I think would have been enough. And, you know, unfortunately for them, yeah, we, we never, we're never going to see one snap of it. So, yeah. And also I, I, I think it's worth mentioning again, now we're halfway through the year, but I think it is worth mentioning like the timing of the Decker injury. Yeah was right so detrimental because it was yeah. like three days before the right. season started. And so all of a sudden you're scrambling, right. you know, you can go back and talk about, well, Sewell should, Sewell should have been at left tackle the whole time. He should have moved Decker yeah. to right tackle in April. They didn't. They went with Sewell at right, Decker at left. I think it made sense to do that, to get Sewell. You know, Decker was good, get Sewell some time. And then right before the season, you have to sort of just change everything uh, about the way you're thinking about this team and about how you're going to be able to win games. And, you know, they can talk about next man up all they want, but we've seen what it does to put Matt Nelson in there and to lose mm-hmm. Ragnow and all that. So I, yeah, it is, fr- it's gotta be frustrating for them. They'll never come out and say it publicly that like, Oh, that really messed up our entire plans yeah. for the season, but it had to, right? Like it had yeah. to really, oh, yeah. like they were scrambling as much as they, Absolutely. Said they weren't. They were you scrambling. <laughs> they have a very specific, and we talked about this all year, they have a very sort of like shrunken specific plan of how they have to play a game, like, right? And it has to be carried by their run game. They have to be able to be, we said this after they played, I think it was Green Bay, like they have to be able to in the third and fourth quarter, especially the third quarter, late in the third quarter, they have to be able to have that in their reasonable arsenal on offense. Like, we have to be able to run the ball and you and have you respect it with the you know in the score in terms of what the score is uh, you know to, to be able to have any chance and to lose those guys that changes your entire you know everything you're trying to do changes because the offensive line for this team was going to be it was going to be everything it was going to be the thing that set the tone for literally how they played it wasn't going to be golf it wasn't going to be anything else but how those guys were blocking with those matchups up front and what they were going to be able to do with the backs. And, you know, when that goes away, everything has to start over. And it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of, 
it's been a tall order for a lot of these guys, these coaches, especially Anthony Lynn, because you look at some of the guys they've lost on a team without as much with no talent to begin with, really, in terms of depth. Man, this is brutal. So, yeah, that's what they've been up against. That's tough. Do you, I mean, I guess, like, how much of the picture for next season? We've got so much time to talk about this. I hate to even look at it that far, but yeah. how much of the picture for next season? If you'd say, let's just let's keep put Vitae in the maybe column and let's say right. Decker's back. You've got four of those five. You've got Swift and Jamal Williams under contract. You've got Hawkinson, yeah, St. Brown, I guess Goff to some extent. <laughs> but like <laughs> how much how comfortable are you about where you're at offensively heading into the next season saying, All right, well, once we get Decker, Ragnow, Sewell, Jackson all together, this is gonna be great. So we don't need to we're in pretty yeah. good shape there. We can build from that. Like, can you go back and and sort of reset and say, well, this was our plan of attack heading yeah. into 2021. Let's just move it forward to 2022 and try to do the same thing. Like, how how much do you need to see it, I guess, before you can plan yeah, for that's it a to good, be elite? Yeah. And I think that that's you, – you're unfortunately, I think you do have to see it. And I think that you're going to have to sort of piecemeal it. You know what I mean? Like, because that's why, you know, my gut would tell me that this isn't much of a conversation that Taylor Decker is probably going to play well and it's going to make more sense for them to keep him at left tackle. And my gut is also telling me that Sewell is probably going to play well and be just fine. And, you know, you're going to go into next season knowing what you're getting from Ragnow, looking completely differently at Jonah Jackson. Or, you know, I guess to Campbell's point a couple weeks ago when we talked to him about it, they've long thought Jonah Jackson would be exactly what he's turned into. And maybe that is part. Nagoff is a different part of this conversation, but I think generally speaking you would if Decker comes out here and plays really well for the second half and yeah I think you run it back and say like quarterback's another conversation but the way you want to run offense with the team that you have you know Swift being a playmaker Hawkinson being a you know hopefully a better blocker as he goes along and still a playmaker you know on the outside and then maybe you can get better get a better receiver in here somewhere (laughs) one way or the other like then I think that that's what you do Absolutely. I think that you saw spots early in the season, even with Goff struggling, where the Lions, they had some teams kind of on their heels a little bit with the way they were coming off the ball and running the ball and doing some different stuff. So I think that, and that was without Decker. So I think that that's reasonable, but like a lot of it does, I think, depend on how Taylor plays for the next, this is a big half year, I guess, for him, because like, like you said, it's been a half the season. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen anything from him yet, you know, and we did want to see how he responded to you know, 2019 was a rough year. 2020 was a good year. And then we wanted to see how we how we looked this year. And we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things we talked about, too, at some point, and I'll get into the receivers here in a second, but we talked about at some point just having Vitae Sewell on one side and having Jackson Decker on the other side, Yeah, you really open up the playbook a lot more, oh, yeah. too, I think. Because yeah. now you're not – like, if you go right right now – Nelson's been fine as a run blocker. Vitae's, like I said, been pretty solid. But it's a different yeah. animal if teams have to worry about Sewell's athleticism getting out in front on the right side and oh, Decker's yeah. athleticism getting out in front on the left side. You can go – I just think there's a lot more available to you right. than there is yeah. right now. Or you're just sort of you know trying to just keep hammering that nail doing things that you would anyway but aren't working as well because you have Nelson in there instead of Sewell-Decker. So. I think that, you know, some of the complaints about the playbook, too, and about the, you know, inability to to get too deep into it or to take some shots downfield and all this stuff, I think 
having Decker back maybe helps you open that up too because teams can't just tee off on one side of the line anymore. Right. I mean, it could it could balance things out or just be the one thing like you like Campbell's talked about so many times. Like you're just looking for another inch, right, or another half right. second, and if he can provide that. But yeah, the greater point really to the run game is yeah, if he's coming off the ball, and I mean, think back to August, you know, or you know, early camp, late July. He was he looked in great. Sh- I mean, I thought he looked in great shape. I thought yeah. he looked like he was going to have a really good start to the year. And yeah, if he's coming off the ball and moving people and getting wide like that, and they can go outside zone on either side of the ball and get golf on play action, that's what he was doing with McVeigh. <laughs> like, you right. know what I mean? So, right. like, yeah. if you can start getting back to some of that stuff, I they're not going to hate it. Lynn will try anything. So, I mean, all things, more things become possible. Yeah, I think that's the biggest, the biggest, biggest thing to say about you know Decker coming back for a team that's lost all these guys that have been you know like critical components to a roster that doesn't have much room for error like getting somebody back like this has got to be at least stabilizing from a comfortability confidence whatever like I, I gotta think the room feels better having him in there right like stuff like that I I would think anyway um you know I know he's been around he sits down there on the bench with Sewell a lot and everything else but like just to have him back out there Sewell said at the one time like a month ago I just want him back in the huddle you know so right I think that'll be good too you know for them to to have him back out there so I mentioned the wide receivers, uh, kind of an interesting revelation from Amon Ra St. Brown this week. He said the coaches have been talking to him. Campbell's been saying, we got to give him the ball more. We got to get him more yeah. involved on a regular basis. And then, uh, you know, St. Brown said, they've talked to me about playing some more Z and taking me out of the slot. And uh, which I wonder if the coaching staff was annoyed that he said that out loud yeah, to probably. the media. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you look so. at him and I, I tweeted out. You know, like, I think it was 30 of his 38 catches have come from a slot this year, and like 85% of his routes have been run from the slot. So we haven't seen him outside a ton. He did it uh, at USC, and it was pretty interesting because of his versatility there. Um, I don't know. Like, how much do we read into this, I guess? Is this a product of them just not having anyone else to play Z? Well, two things. It's two things, I think. It's one, yes, that they don't have anyone else. (laughs) So it's like, this is a pretty good player. And so we think that he can maybe, if we can get him in some situations against some corners, maybe he can work somebody. I don't know. But the second part of that, I think, is that we're going to see maybe we're going to see more um, him at the Z when they're in 21 or 22. So when they have the two tight ends out there or when they have uh, the two backs on the field, you, typically you're taking the slot out. So if, you know, St. Brown is at the Z and, you know, Khalif Raymond is the X and they just go small or something and they go small with the 21 personnel stuff and get those guys moving in motion, okay, well, now you've got my attention. Like, those are things that, that's where my head kind of went when he said that. Like, I think we could see sort of, him involved in more of those packages when they get the playmakers out there, you know, and right now the Lions playmakers are, you know, if you think about it, like their best, when Jamal Williams is healthy, it's Swift, Williams, Hawkinson, St. Brown, and Raymond probably, right? I mean, like those are the guys, I mean, like, so you're finding ways to probably get your best or most reliable, I suppose, at this point. Uh, guys out there together and whatever makes sense and try to run offense the best way you can. And that, so that's what I think might happen. I think we could see more. And I think that could be good. You know, I think that could be good for the Lions. I, I don't know if they have a lot of faith in Brock, Wright. I guess maybe they do if they're going to put more, more double tight stuff out there. But I, I think what it ultimately means is that when the slot comes off the field, 
he's not coming off the field. He's going to right. become a Z and a slot. He's just going to be both. I think that's probably what it means. I mean, I was curious for your thoughts on that too, because it could be both. And it, it could also just be because they're like, we don't know what else to do here. But I think it's probably <laughs> more an indication that, you know, he's just not going to come off the field anymore. Right. Well, my first thought, honestly, when he said that was, Wait, who's the X again? <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was thinking as I was like, talking Hodge, there. I'm like, I guess uh, Benson, geez, uh, Raymond. Right, yeah, and they've know, used like, Raymond. You know, Raymond has done. He's been the Z. So, the Z. Okay. Yeah, like so he's. Yeah, and I guess that is an option. Like if those are your top two receivers, you just leave your top two receivers out there. They're not taking. It's not like they're taking a lot of shots deep into right. traffic anyway. That you would need a six-five no. guy to go up and get it so maybe that is there. Yeah, right. the best way to do it uh right. st brown's played about 65 percent of the offensive snaps so far so i think you're probably right i think some of that is just why are we taking him off the field to make sure right. trinity benson's getting exactly. outside like that's there's no point He's not to giving doing us it. anything so, uh, <laughs> right, yeah and when I, they talk about you know when campbell talks about like we're going to explore everything i hope that you're right about it i hope that this is well let's get Right. St. Brown outside and and motion him and let's use him like hand him the ball a few times and let's get swift in the slot and put Raymond and St. Brown outside and like all these things that we see every once in a while and they seem to work but haven't become staples of this offense. Maybe that that is what happens. And I do think I mean, if you're just sort of ranking guys in terms of who's capable of having success outside. St. Brown probably would be your number yeah, one option I'm, on this roster anyway roster, from a skill yeah. set perspective. So, yeah, I mean, you may as well, right? Like you said, like, so. what do you what do you have to lose? You're 0-8. Uh, let's see if – and then, you know, you sort of look down the road. I don't know. Like, Quintez Cephas doesn't seem like he's that close to coming back. But St. Brown and Cephas on the outside with Raymond in the slot or Swift yeah. in the slot or whatever – well, Maybe. I think St. Brown <laughs> is also, I mean, to, to to marry the two points here, St. Brown's all, he's a pillar guy. I mean, he's going to be here. So I think that that's also something that you look at and you go into the second half of the season and you just say, well, like, no matter what this looks like in two years, St. Brown is going to be part of it. I think they're all, they would all tell us that today if they, you know, in an honest moment, like none of them have any plans. They've all been impressed by him since the minute he showed up, like they Love the guy. So I think part of it, too, is probably, like, to the greater point of, like you just said, like, hey, the more he knows, the better. Because we're going to, you know, if we think we can throw him in there with any number of different guys and the way that they kind of think that they can go about building this receiver room, if they found a guy that they like, they're going to keep him. And I think they think he's pretty versatile. So, and also, to the other point, like, you know, he's probably one of their best blocking receivers. I mean, in terms of yeah, for the sure. way he competes. And the way he doesn't back down physically from anybody, that's why they like Raymond so much. So, um, yeah, I think that if you do it right and really kind of commit to it and commit to sort of that style of offense, which, I mean, that's what Anthony Lynn, that's what he did in Buffalo. Of course, he had Tyrod Taylor, and I bet he wishes he had Tyrod Taylor right now. But, like, you know, I mean, that's a different conversation, I guess, with the quarterback. But, like, you can go in some of those directions. And I think that, you know, maybe for the Lions, maybe that's the – the best way to do it going forward. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. I don't know what limitations you have a quarterback if you can't run, but like, <laughs> I mean, that's, we'll see how they figure it out. I, uh, I feel guilty admitting, but like watching the bears play the Steelers uh, on Sunday night, yeah. I definitely had a couple of those moments of like, 
Well, Justin Fields. I mean, man, I'm t- nice. yeah, I mean, I just, it's another conversation and it's like, and, and the more that we go into the year and the deeper we go, it's just, it's a, it's the thing that doesn't go away. I mean, I know that we don't like to make every show about Jericho or whatever, but it always comes no. back to that because you're just like, you know, if you can't move, there's, there's only so much you can do. But to the point we said earlier, like if you can get your line moving both sides of the ball to where you're, you're making defenses respect a lot with your run game. Golf's pretty good with the play action. So if you can get him back into some of those situations, then maybe you got something going. Well, we do still need to talk, I guess, about Tim Boyle because he's the other we one uh, coming back here. Um, and it, I guess the first thing that was interesting to me is that Campbell, because he's always honest, impressors said... You're damn right he is. <laughs> We came out of the preseason, or when we were getting to the end of the preseason, Boyle was a little bit ahead of David Blau in the quarterback race to be the number two, which right. I think runs against what most of us who were out there every day thought. Right. I think Boyle or Blau, I thought, was better in during, terms in of the how games, the and I thought right. he was better yeah. in terms of how he was handling the offense. But uh, we've also talked a little bit about Boyle and sort of how he plays, right? And it's totally different than what Jared Goff does and that's I don't know that he's ever going to get like ever going to play meaningful (laughs) minutes this year but that's the one thing that would be intriguing to me is just what does this offense look like with a quarterback who wants to take chances all the time right as opposed to never and like exactly and Boyle the reason why they like him and the reason why he was ahead of Blau despite not playing better than him is because he has something with his arm and his athleticism that is a little different. He's not like the best athlete that you've ever seen, but he's not a stiff either. He can move a little bit. Um, and he throws a really nice shot ball, right? Like a really nice, if you get somebody one-on-one in a slot and they beat somebody and he sees it, it's going to be a good, you know, it's going to be okay. But everything, <laughs> everything else is a bit of an adventure. So like, yeah, I don't know. I think that Boyle is definitely one of those guys that, He's intrigued them from day one because of all of his physical talents. But I think the consistency thing and just like, can he do that is a question that we've never seen an answer to. And that's why I do think, and I will say it again, that if his hand is healthy at some point this year, before this year's over, we're going to see a Tim Boyle game. We're going to see, I think, a full game of him because I almost think you kind of have to see it, right? Do, do you not? I mean, I... I kind of feel like, to your point, that you just said it. Like, what does this look like with a different guy in there? I think you owe it to yourself if you're really trying to evaluate this. This is not the Jared Goff rehab hour, okay? Like, this is the <laughs> Lions rehab hour. So, like, you need to see everything that you've got. I still think we're going to see him in a game uh, before this year's over. I could be wrong, but I think I think we're going to get our answer to that question one way or the other before the year's out. I mean, do you agree or no? I mean, I would ask you again. Mowing the lawn outside here, so uh, apologies for the background noise. Uh, I well, we talked a little bit about this last week because I said Goff. I think Goff is going to start all seventeen if he stays healthy. And I disagree. I'd rather not see Goff start all (laughs) seventeen personally, and I think everyone's sort of in that boat at this point. I mean, I think they also. I mean, you're talking about evaluation. You just lost two months of seeing Boyle in practice. Yeah. Boyle and Blau are both free agents headed into right. the next year. You paid Boyle. Do you Boyle want too. either of those guys back? Right. I don't know. And you talk about Tyrod Taylor. Like, I don't, there's not really a way for them to move on from Jared Goff that isn't going to be a big hit 
for them no, financially. Yeah, like right, what exactly. that's what they were always kind of tied to him for two years. I cannot imagine someone's going to come trade for him. No. Um, so your other option is just to like release him at some point and maybe try to figure out the money there. But you mentioned Tyrod Taylor and like Tim Boyle sort of in that like, yes. ta- Taylor's started. I think he's shown he can win some games. He can be interesting. Yeah. But Boyle's in that range of guys where you're paying him like he's making two million and change this year. He's probably be in that two to three million range next year. Like that's mm-hmm. the type of guy you're talking about. If it's yeah. not going to be golf, it's someone like this like who this. maybe is holding hands with right Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or right. whatever you're doing. <laughs> with whatever you're doing, right? Uh, so maybe you do need to see him. Maybe I you think look, you do. Maybe do. he is an upgrade. I mean, I don't know that he's an upgrade they in like terms him. of like raw skills, but they do like him. And he was the first guy they signed, I think, right? Or one of. One right of, away. Yeah. I yep. mean, they signed him right away. And like, I remember when we talked to Anthony Lynn, um, we did the film thing in the, in the uh, summer, spring, whatever it was. He was one of the first guys he brought up. Like how excited he was. Uh, him and Jamal Williams. Like, those were the guys that, that they brought up, how excited they were that they got both of them. And I think that Lynn even said that he was surprised that they got that they got him. Like, I was surprised we got him, but we did. And we were excited because they liked him a lot. So I think that we're going to, yeah, I think we're going to see him. I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I think I think he's going to get a chance. I mean, hey, if he was healthy in the first however many games of the season, do you think we would have saw him? I think we would have. I think Campbell at one point would have been like, all right, go sit down. Let's get some let's get him in here. <laughs> I don't think it would have ridden out. I mean, he had no choice. Yeah. I think that's part of I think that's as big a reason to me. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just I look back on it now and I look, you know, what else would he have done? Where are you going? You're not putting Blau in there. That's not gonna get anything well, done. He's not he's yeah. not that guy. He's not gonna and they know that. And you know, but Boyle, you don't know that. Maybe he could be. I think that's the difference. Well, I think some of this though is that we're still trying to figure out Nate, you know six months into this and eight games and now just I still honestly could not tell you for sure where they're at with Jared Goff like every I I mean I think they're frustrated I'm positive they're frustrated I'm sure Anthony Lynn they're not as pulling his hair out (laughs) Uh, because you're just so limited right now and in Campbell this was another you know this these uh this press conference Monday um, like it, we're getting into that range now where he's doing, saying stuff in the press conference that it sounds like he wants to get back to a player <laughs> and he keeps yeah. saying, we need to be more aggressive. We've have to take these shots. Like that's mm-hmm. not play calling. I don't think no. that is Jared throw the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the one thing that he said that was interesting too, and sort of goes back to the criticisms of golf is. I forget the exact line. I can. I should probably go look it up. It was something like Jared will do what we tell him to do on a yeah. play. Right. <laughs> so if we're telling him to throw deep, that's where the ball's going to go. But I think that also <laughs> was like, uh, I don't think he meant maybe to sound it to sound the way that it did, but it came across to me like, well, back to all the criticisms we've had of golf. Like he's right. not going to. If your third read is a deep post. For, I mean, that's not you're not getting there. That ball happening. is not getting yeah. to the deep post. Right. Uh, so if they're going to dial some up, he needs to take some of those shots. And we've seen. I mean, there's been multiple times in games where I think Anthony Lynn has tried to dial up those shots, he and Goff yeah. has not done it. So 
I really don't know. I don't know on Boyle because I, I don't know that they would look at him and say, all right, well, maybe he's our starter next year. But to your point, they do really like him. Yeah. They clearly are not settled at quarterback. No. And he does have, I mean, he's at, at least has a skill set that intrigues you a little bit. He's going to probably make a ton of mistakes if he ever starts and turn the ball over a bunch, but he also <laughs> might throw a 65-yard touchdown pass here and there, right. and they don't, they're not getting that at all right now. Exactly. And I think that that's what you're talking – golf's throwing two turnovers too. Like, I feel like it's not <laughs> – All right, that's if that <laughs> If that continues is really my point. It's up to golf, of course, at the, at, at the end of the day. Like, if he turns a corner and becomes the guy that they thought that he could be or something – uh, you know, or something closer to that, then <clears throat> obviously this isn't a conversation that we're having. But like if this if Goff's play from the first half repeats itself and we get two or three weeks down the road and Boyle's hand is healthy and you're sitting there at a game, uh, you know, at home and he is, you know, at four yards per attempt in the third quarter, <laughs> I think they'll yank him and put Boyle in and then it'll depend. Right. Then it will depend. I don't think they're going to sit there all year with a healthy boil on the bench. And if Goff just continues to play like that and those and have those horrible stretches, no, I don't think they'll, they'll just sit there and, and ride it out with him and just not give Boyle any chance. Because like, like we've said this whole time, like you do owe it to yourself at some point to see what he's got. I think they want to, you know, like you got to find the right spot to do it. But like, I think the message to Goff will probably be like, that's on the table now, big boy. Like it wasn't, in the first eight games. But if <laughs> right. you play like shit yeah. like that for like three straight weeks again, you're sitting. And I don't right. care how it hurts your feelings. Because like we got a lot of guys here who are doing a lot. And if you're going to keep turning the ball over in the fourth quarter. Now, if he doesn't, then it's different. You know, who cares? Then he's moving on. And then you like that too. But I think that that's probably what you tell Goff. I think Campbell can be more assertive with him. And I think that was that was the whole point of bringing him here, Boyle, I think, at the beginning. Was like... Get him in here, get another youngerish guy that he knows that we like behind him so that there is a little bit of a fire there too. We're trying to rebuild his confidence, but he also needs to know that he needs to get going. And like, he didn't have any of that early in the season. And I think that hurt. You know, I, I think that hurt. You know, it was like, you could tell that Campbell wanted to reach somewhere and light a fire and there was like nowhere, there was nowhere to go. And I think now you yeah. can at least maybe do that. So we'll see where that goes. Well, and to the point you made, you can't spend the entire year trying to rebuild his confidence because as right. we've said with some of these other roster decisions you got to know just right, because yeah. you're on top of the depth chart yeah like it eventually the team is going to sour on some of this stuff if, right. if you know and i think we've seen some of the frustration from guys like hawkinson and swift and they've tried to oh yeah take you know they tried to take responsibility for it to their credit in the press conferences after games and they have tried to talk it out with Goff on the sideline, and I'm sure they're having a lot of conversations that were not seen in the mm -hmm. building during the week. But you can see it sort of bubbling over with some of these guys who are who aren't just here like trying to win jobs, who aren't Kaderil Hodge and Trinity Benson, who are guys that are established NFL players and are probably going to be pieces of the future. And if you can't get to a point where you're comfortable with Swift and with Hawkinson and with St. Brown, and, yeah. and these guys are frustrated every week eventually the coaching staff is going to reach right. a point where they just can't keep doing it and, and that's what i'm talking 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. and campbell will see that campbell and anthony lynn and aaron Glenn, all these guys they're all cut from the same they know 
how to read that, I think. Yeah. Right. Like, I think that that's where they're kind of uniquely positioned, you know, and, and the different, like Campbell and, and Glenn are Parcells guys, right. In, in the, in the sense that there are, there is some of that throwback to them and they want to challenge guys in the heat like that, but they also have, you know, they're more sensitive. I think than Parcells ever was too. They can understand, I think a lot of the stuff that gets put on the plate of a person, but at the same time, like, to be able to crank that up a little bit, I think, is a big sort of asset that they just didn't have. They haven't had with golf. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm very curious to see. That's maybe toward the top of my list, I guess, um, to see if I know, whatever happens. I know because you it want just that hasn't, Thanksgiving start, man. It I just know. hasn't been anything that was ever possible. It was like yeah. people were like, bench. Like, you're not benching him for Blau. I mean, no offense to David Blau. I know they like David Blau, but, like, yeah. it's just not – that's not a thing that you're going to do. You're not going to start David Blau for the next eight weeks, right? Like, I don't... Boil? Well, maybe that's a different conversation. I just... It's interesting. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mentioned that I had a, an article up, uh, yes. just sort of an early look ahead to 2022, and between the guys who are currently on the active roster or on IR in some form, either permanently on IR for the rest of the year or, you know, designated to return like Decker and Boyle, trying to figure out how many of these guys are foundational pieces for next season? How many are probably going to be back? Yeah. I told you, I, I think I ended up at like 33 or 34 between the definitely will be here, probably yeah. will be here category. And I really struggled to get to that point. Right. So you're already talk- <laughs> like, if they're in a similar boat, you're already talking about turning over like 20 roster spots. Oh yeah. It might, I mean, I might have even shot too high. I don't know if there's as many locks here as I even gave. Like, is Jerry J? I put Jerry Jacobs right. and AJ like, Parker in the foundational pieces for 2022, but maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I don't know. Like, did you see how many guys do you see that are like locked in as players on this roster for next year? Like, it's super hard with guys like that because I think that Jacobs and um, Parker are like the greatest examples of guys that are going to be really hard to knock off the roster if you're coming in here um, and it's like as a fringe, you know, as a fringe guy, you know what I mean? Like if you're coming in here to try to win a spot, I think it's going to be really hard for you next year to knock off guys like that because those are two guys who came in here and did above and beyond in terms of what the staff wanted or expected and have continued to do so. Like, I mean, they're not pro bowlers or whatever, but like they're, they're competing every week. Uh, they've both made plays. They've both shown up. They both competed the way Glenn wants his defensive backs to compete physically. So I think they're guys that like I agree with where I see where your head's at. You know, Raymond is the same way. Like Lee Raymond, it's hard to knock them off of that list because until we see somebody come in here and like outgrind them, uh, I'm not going to put them behind you know somebody else who would come in and and do that. But like that's where it gets difficult because. They're not going to just like, well, we got Jerry Jacobs, so we're not going to go look at another corner. Like, that's not how this is going to go. So, like, right. I think that has to be sort of part of the conversation, too. So, it's it's double-sided in some ways. Like, the draft picks, Swift, you know, guys like that, obviously, those are the guys that are back here. But, like, I can definitely see where some of those younger guys are going to be harder to sort of get rid of, you know, I, I, I think I like Austin Bryant is another one that's on that like fringe where it's like, if he has a really good second half here, he's busted his butt and done everything they've asked him to do and like impressed them in so many ways. Like 
if he is playing his best football at the end of the year, he's going to be really hard to knock off the roster. So I think that a lot of the guys that you have in that list, I understand totally what, even Nelson, you know, like even Matt Nelson to a degree yeah. where it's like, they know him. He's not perfect. They know him. And now look, Nelson wasn't great for the first half of the season. I don't think he was a disaster. I think we both thought it could have been a lot worse, right? Based on oh, training yeah, camp. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, like, yeah. <laughs> I think that some of those conversations are where it gets hard because, like, it depends on sort of what they can find in the offseason, I think. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's as big of a part of this conversation as anything else. Yeah, and I think you almost have to throw out this past offseason so we don't necessarily yeah. know how Brad Holmes is going to take this as this team sort of inches slowly closer to being competitive. You know, they're going to be a year mm-hmm. where they're like, all right, we're right there. Let's go take some big swings in free agency. Or are they just going to keep, is it basically going to be the draft and trades that build the thing? You know, because I think yeah. that this year they've, they've gotten stuck where they've had to play a lot of these guys, but now, yeah, you look ahead to next year and, like if I think some of these decisions about like Decker's contract, Vitae's contract, if you're paying Jacobs and Parker to be starting cornerbacks and they're making undrafted rookie money, yeah, <laughs> like that changes things for mm-hmm. you. If you don't have to go pay twelve million dollars to a cornerback, right. um, and so I think that some of those decisions are probably important ones. I mean, Austin Bryant was a guy I mentioned as sort of yeah, like on that fringe area. Yeah, I right think there. You're probably. I mean, Charles Harris has done well this year, but I I mentioned in the article, like, ideally, you are giving his reps next year to Julian Okora, to a healthy Romeo Okora, to Austin Bryant, to... Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau. (laughs) (laughs) Someone you're bringing in. Yeah, But, yeah, I mean, you don't want... Charls Harris, like, if you're saying, all right, we we can win six or seven games next year. Charles Harris, and again, no disrespect to Charles Harris, he's been really good for them this year. Charles Harris is probably not your starting edge guy in an no. ideal scenario. So right. um, I think that there are – that that is going to be a lot of these last nine weeks. Like, are these guys just here because we don't have anyone else? Or is right. A.J. Parker really the starting slot for us next year? Is Austin Bryant – is an Austin Bryant-Julian Okora tandem? Yeah. Like, can we use that and get rid of – move Trey Flowers? Like, does that I th- work? Uh, I so, think that you're finding, like – culture guys you know like that's what the converse like these guys that we're talking about right here maybe not harris as much yet but maybe he becomes that you know like i don't know jacobs and parker especially are like i mean if aaron glenn is going to be here those are guys that he's going to point to as they grow up and say like if you're going to play corner for me you have to bring the wood like they do or you're not going to be here you have to hit as hard as jacobs hits or you're out of here. Like, that's, I think, what he's looking for. I think that he's trying to find guys that, like, I don't care what their talent is. Like, look how hard he plays. Like, how look how, you know, all these things, like, those are guys that I think are going to have a better chance of being here than they would on any other roster, simply because of where the Lions are at, what they can give them from, like, a culture standpoint. And just, you know, if they trust them, they trust them. I think that that's, that's what can be earned here probably in the next two months. Uh, for some of these guys that, you know, if you're trying to find, you buy, you know, kind of buy uh, an extended pass on the rebuild <laughs> bus tour here, right? Like, I think that's what some of these guys are looking for. And yeah, Jacobs, Parker, Austin Bryant, I think those are the guys. And Harris would be right on the fringe, maybe on the other side for me. But those are three guys that I look at and say, like, 
they're culture guys. They could be, you know, they could be guys that help set a tone for you with rookies going down the road with other young guys as they go forward, guys that other guys like in the locker room. Everybody likes Jerry Jacobs, right? This kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what you're looking for. Do you think I put Anzalone and Khalif Raymond in as foundational guys for next year, and I put Jalen Reeves Maven in that second category because I think mm-hmm. he might have more of an opportunity than he could have here. I know. I mean, I know he's a core special teams guy. He's been playing a ton, but if uh, as they yeah. ramp up Derek Barnes, that probably takes away from what Jalen Reeves Maven's it doing. Does. But those are three guys that Campbell continues to spotlight all the time as sort of doing things the way they want to be done. Raymond never had much of a chance as a receiver till he got here. Anzalone, you know, was a good, solid linebacker in New Orleans, but now he's like the center of this defense here. So is it, I guess, is it unrealistic in any way to consider them as locks for next season? Like, do you see those guys or the Lions letting those guys leave, I guess? I I think that Anzalone would be, right? I mean, I think that he would be – Certainly one that I would be comfortable with because, you know, I think for the same reasons that um, Reeves Maben's role is going to decrease the better Bards gets or the older he gets, it'll probably be that way for Anzalone too. You know, his role will also, I think in time, they want Derek Barnes to be what Anzalone is right now. And I think he knows that. I think everyone there knows that. They all know the, the score. But I think that for Reeves Maben, it would probably depend on what else do you do at linebacker? Like, do you... Are you going to draft? Are you going to invest high again in another, you know, kind of stack linebacker? And if you do that, one of those guys, one you know, one of those veterans is probably on their way out. Reeves Maven, however, I think is tougher to make that call on yeah. because, like, of all the things he does from a special team standpoint, and like, I mean, he's a linebacker who can run. That's what you need in twenty. That's what you need now. I mean, I just. I, I think that, again, he's another one of those guys from a culture fit, and he's older, and they have, like, nobody here who's older. And he's not an old man, but, I mean, he's been around and seen some things. You've been, hey, you've been through the Matt Patricia era and make it out the other side <laughs> smiling, and then you've seen some things, and you can help, you know, you can help younger people. And I think that they definitely see him, all the young guys like him so much, I think they definitely see him as a guy that can carry more weight. You know, when Campbell talks about shouldering a load, you know, with golf, like, I think that's as big a part of it right now as anything else, like... Guys like Reeves Mabin and Anzalone, what they've done, I think, in the locker room, Brockers, um, yeah. you know, those that, it's a big deal. You know, like and if you can get guys in here that can give that, then you're going to – I think that you're going to overlook even some deficiencies because they're not trying to win. <laughs> they're not trying to go 16-1, and one, right? So <laughs> I, I think that that's, that's part of the conversation too. All right, so I, I think we covered a little bit of this last week, but uh, now we're officially into the second half. They've got the – Steelers and Browns back to back. Since the schedule continues to yeah. just hammer them here, and then the Bears at home on Thanksgiving. Um, how do we know that this team is getting better over the next nine weeks? Like, what what are the markers for you between now and you know the whatever the second week of January, yeah. two months from now, that tell you that next season will be less miserable right. than this season? I guess. Yeah, I think it's. Number one, it would have to be like no more, no more uh, like massive steps backward like that. Like we saw in that Philadelphia game, like that stuff can't happen again. That was horrible. 
Like that was, we if we see more games like that, then that's when people start to question things, right? Like that's when people start to say, like, what's going on here? Like, are they? <laughs> it's just like, the, are they? Are they onto something, or are they just a complete mess? Like, right? Like, so no more of that to begin with. I think that would be number one on the list, and then the second part of that would be, for me, I think, are you? Are we? Are we going to talk higher about the guys that we've talked about today? that we've seen a lot from in this first half. Like, are we going to end the season? Like, are we going to end the season talking about Sewell? Like, man, we think he can maybe be a pro bowler next year. Are we going to end the season talking about Aline McNeil and Anzarike as guys that are like, Hey, we think they can be like a force next year. Julian Okora. I think he's coming, he's finishing some of these plays now, you know, those are things I think that you have to look at and it can't just be like, are they winning games necessarily or are they in every game at the end or in the fourth quarter whatever it's about like are they giving these teams more of a fight the whole way are some of those guys and I think that the wins would probably take care of itself if if all those things you know are positive answers for the Lions but like are you going to finish the year looking at Jonah Jackson in the same light as we're looking at him right now is he going to have the same second half as he had the first half okay if he does and I think if all those things sort of like add together then I I would say that they're progressing the way that you want them to progress. But if they're going backward and having these like really bad efforts and we see some of these like, and we see heads start hanging, we see guys losing buy-in, like that's when we'll know, right? Like then this is going into a bad, bad place. So it's at a critical spot, I think, right now. You know, that was a bad game coming into this buy. It was bad, really bad. Did they talk about burying the tape? Is that what happened? Uh, I think uh, he Aaron said Glenn buried the Aaron Glenn tape. took the defense out there and like dug a, dug hole. a hole and threw okay. the tape. I hope on the hill. I hope yeah, it was it's so, buried under Patricia's uh, hill in the back of the practice facility yeah, now. But I, yeah, they buried it. If there were ever, if there was ever a time to bury it, a tape, it was that one. <laughs> I think so. Get rid of that. Don't ever want to see that again. Like, and I think that that would be step one. Step two would be like we've talked about all those. All those guys that you've seen positive things from, and there are a good handful here. Tracy Walker, you know, like let's see a finish now. If we see if we see a full sixteen games out of some of these guys, then we can put ink next to their name and say like gonna be here and a guy that you can count on. Like they're right there with a lot of them. Now let's see them sort of get over the hump with several of them, and that's at least a building block to go forward on. There's still gonna be a lot of questions like golf and all this stuff, but. In terms of little progress, I think you can still find some as you go forward here. I'm curious for your thoughts on the same question, though, because it's a difficult one for people, I think, to kind of wrap their head around. I think I'm in the same spot as you. I mean, I think for me, it's looking at you mentioned Walker and they have to make a decision on him because his contract's running out. But Walker, Jackson, Hawkinson, Swift, I guess St. Brown to some extent, Julian O'Quara, Barnes, like some of these guys who Mm -hmm. have started to get better. Especially guys like Hawkinson and Swift, who look like they could be, you know, all pro caliber guys. Yeah. But anyone that you look at and say, "All right, when this these guys are who need to be the foundation guys," like the, this is who they have to build around. And I think you can pick out Sewell too. Obviously, like yeah. there's there's like ten or twelve of them that are in you know, somewhere between like year one and year four of their career that are playing a ton right now, and they're right there. And have sort of rolled the roller coaster, but you can yeah. see what it will look like when it's really good. Uh, and it, you know, Hawkinson and Swift, I think, are at a, fir- a different spot in their development than someone like Sewell or something like that. But I think it's the same sort of conversation. Exactly. Like, yeah. Are these guys 
next year, two years, three years from now, are these still going to be the core guys? And I mm-hmm. think you can start finding that out right now because if they, exactly. Hawkinson now has nine weeks where he doesn't do anything, that sort yeah. of changes your contract conversation right. with him. And if Walker is terrible for the next two months, I don't know that he's as much of a priority to bring back. So I think that this is that's where I sort of start. The rest of this, you know, Nick Williams and Trey Flowers and like some of these guys who are probably not going to be here for the long haul. Like you'd like them to play well because the Lions need them to play well if they're going to hang in these games and win. But you really want to see what's going to happen with not just some of these those guys that we talked about, like Parker and Jacobs, who have yeah. done well, but really like who is going to carry this team when it's right. competitive. And I and think you, you have those guys on the roster right now. You do. And you do. And I think you need to see some guys take some ownership too, you know, like I think more. You know, and I think this has been Dan Campbell's team to this point, right? And maybe it'll be Dan yeah, Campbell's team all year. That's an interesting point, yeah. And maybe it just will be. I mean, maybe that's just one of those things and that's how this will be. But, like, at some point, DeAndre Swift, Hawkinson, uh, Sewell, Tracy Walker, guy, they have to take the team over. And we have to know that this is their team. So, Whenever that happens, I don't know. Like you said, Chris, I mean, it's a different timeline for everyone. Golf, I guess, would be in that conversation too. Like if you're going to do this, if you're going to be the guy, has has he done enough to convince everyone here, roster, player to player, locker to locker in the room that, you know, and I think those are the conversations that you're looking at, you know, like some of these guys need to, it, this can't be Jerry Jacobs' team, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like just as much as it can't be Dan Campbell's. So like, I think that that's another thing too to watch. As we go forward here, um, you know, as some of these guys grow into leaders, and I know that a guy like Tracy Walker is that's a process that's been going on for him all year. You know, I'm curious to see sort of where that goes. And I, you know, I think that you that's another thing to kind of monitor as the year goes on because that's been a thing I think that uh, we've seen a couple different guys I think that could be an answer there where you know, step up and take the team and say, like, hey, this is I'm going to be part of this. I'm going to be, you know, a gatekeeper of this culture. I'm going to be somebody who fights for this just like Dan does. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen a few snippets of that from some guys, but this is the time here, November, December, where it's going to get hard, where we're going to see more of it, I think, or we're not going to see it. You know, it's going to be like you said, we are, or we aren't. And they're going to have different conversations as they go forward there. All right, so in Pittsburgh this week, uh, I'm guessing we'll hold off on a lot of the draft talk till after Thanksgiving, but it's coming. Uh, it's coming. We know they're picking pretty high, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a huge draft for this regime. So we'll get into a lot of that as check out those quarterbacks as, on Saturdays, yeah, folks. Once we get through November <laughs> and into bowl season and all that, uh, we'll start hitting that a little harder. But for now, we'll. Uh, continue to focus on this week to week with the Lions. Like I said, they're in Pittsburgh this week. Uh, maybe it, maybe a trap game for the Steelers. I don't know. They, I don't know anymore. Tough man. Monday nighter. A couple of tough ones coming up. Maybe they catch him napping a little bit. Maybe and, Big uh, Ben, yeah, takes a nap, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back uh, next Tuesday to break it all down. Preview the uh, game against Cleveland the following Sunday. And again, as mentioned, you can get us ad-free on the Athletic app as well as at uh, Spotify, Google Play, Apple, whatever you listen to podcasts. So for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.